Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Telling stories from a quarantined LAFC community, match by match, fan by fan, story by story. Today we are joined remotely all the way repping LAFC out in the IE by Jason Ariano, also known as LAFC Punk. Bienvenidos, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. Honor and privilege to be on your guys' podcast. That was Thank great. You. you know, I... I know that you've uh, wanted to come on for a long time, so I just, you know, welcome, man. It's, it's, we're really glad to have you. I'm glad you're able to make time for us. Hey, no problem. Right now, I think we all have a lot of time. Welcome to our virtual studio. Yeah, this is definitely the quarantine podcast. Brilliant. So, well, thank you for joining us. We've been actually trying to get you to come on the show for some time now. We were trying to figure out logistically how to set something up with you out in the IE and us up here in the Valley. So, this actually has worked out as a better avenue and a better time, I suppose, to get you on the show. So that has has worked out well in that regard, despite all the craziness going on around us. But despite the world around us being as absolutely as insane as we could have never predicted it being, there are some things going on in the LAFC community. So when we kick it around, Chris, Christian, you guys run us through some of the stuff that's going on that the fans can get out there and interact with. Yeah, one of the things to look forward to is the MLS and EMLS players. They're going to have a FIFA 20 EMLS special tournament and what's interesting about it is there's a player on the team and EMLS athlete and for our fixture it's going to be another derby or classical or traffical you know like galaxy against LAFC and our player that's going to be playing uh, in terms of the actual squad is going to be Adama Diamande and Remy Martin against uh, Chicharito and Godfather so um, it's going to be a five-week affair of um sundays at 7 p.m it's going to be on fox sports one and fox watch and fox sports so you know they're kind of pumping this up and it starts on april 19th um and that's when uh the first match is going to be it's going to be a two-legged affair and it's a single elimination so interesting i think i think it's it's kind of cool i know that football players are big fans of fifa and then you know fifa players try to play and this is kind of being an amalgamation of those two worlds and see which team has a better combination of those two things on the uh, FIFA 20 circuit? And there's, there's going to be donations collected live along with that as well, too, this time. So hopefully we can once again out-donate Carson. Uh, maybe they've been motivated yeah. by the embarrassing results of the last round. And this time they come out with a little better showing. I think for, for charity's sake, we kind of hope they do. But once again, I hope I hope we take them down in the charity department. Definitely. And there's, there's actually, this is going to be benefiting Feeding America. Food Banks of Canada, and uh, a special appeal to the uh, COVID-19 response fund. So it's it's for a good cause for sure. But, you know, we also want bragging rights to hold that EMLS special tournament cup. And it's also a throwback. Uh, you know, we can look out for Tyler Miller, who is uh, going to be representing uh, the player side for uh, Minnesota. Jason, have you been watching any of the live streamed games being played in the EMLS world? Uh, no, I haven't, because uh, I just now got my PlayStation 4. I know it's been on Twitch. So that was one of the first things I downloaded so I could watch those games. So I'll start watching them now. So I did see highlights on YouTube. I saw the Carlos Vela goal that looked just like the first goal he scored against Carson. And that was kind of cool, that left-handed outside-the-box goal. So. It's uh, Yeah, I mean, Remy Martin never thought that that would be the one player we would all be hanging our collective hopes on at this point in the season. But it's it's a crazy world, this this EMLS world. Speaking about this point in the season, you know, there was a message uh, uh, from the MLS and Don Garber talking about pretty much the return to play. And this came out on the 14th of April. Pretty much... Uh, uh, MLS is uh, trying to evaluate the impact of COVID-19, uh, but the, and they still would like to ideally play a full season, but I think that they're coming to terms with the fact that finishing a complete uh, season is, is not going to be as easy of a task, so they are looking for other alternatives potentially, uh, but given, given how fluid this situation is, that they're... They're looking, you know, I like I said, best case scenario is that they can still do a complete season. Worst case scenario is that they do a, uh, a tournament or a uh, shortened season. I don't think, I don't think canceling the season is a, uh, a an option. And I do think that 
having games closed to fans is probably uh, going to be a, a big a big focal point of it, at least in the beginning. So what do you think this means for us season ticket holders? Do you think we are going to get to go back and see games as fans? Do you think we are, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who are frustrated that we're being charged and yet we can't go see games. What do you guys think the odds are of us getting back in there and as fans and spectators being able to view a full season? I think that, I mean, everybody's got a different different style contract with the club. Some people are on multi-year contracts and some people are on a year-to-year basis. I think that for the people that have a multi-year contract, the club is going to try and defer the money that was spent for this season into next season. And that, you know, you're not going to get charged for a product that you didn't get to get to see. Whereas the people that are on a year-to-year contract, I think that if they elect to not renew their tickets, that then they'll get their money back. Do you think people would actually cancel their season tickets over this? I'm not saying that people would do it because they want to. I'm saying that uh, there might be people that are just in financial situations where they just can't afford to have tickets. And so, especially if there isn't going to be any games, the, the, the individual might be like, look, unfortunately, I just am not in a position to afford my tickets. And so I need I need that money back. Because it would be one thing if the, if we had these games and they could then try and sell those tickets for a profit. But, you know, having to hold off on that money and then trying to sell the money for a profit next season, that's a long time to wait to kind of front money and not be able to get any kind of uh, return on it. So that's why I'm saying there could be scenarios where there are some people that might have to, you know, cancel a membership if that if it were to come to that. I see that happening for sure if someone is in dire need of liquidity or having the need for money at that point, right? That's the only reason or season ticket cancellation, I see. So I agree with you on on that point. No one's going to willingly give up tickets, especially how difficult it is to to get them. There's wait lists now, right? But I agree with you. Even for those that are year to year, um, I, you know, I fully believe that they're going to just credit you for next season's tickets. I think the conversation and something that needs to be brought up is if there is no games this year and, you know, usually there's some sort of small incremental increase, is that still going to happen next year and they're going to try to collect the, the difference or the delta? I hope they don't, really. But, you know, that wouldn't be a good PR move. And, uh, you know, it's 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 not, a, it's not, I think, a conversation they want to be had, especially when there's frustration already with the funds being collected, which, you know, we can afford, my family can afford still because we're working. Um, and I'm okay with having, essentially, what my belief is, my next season is going to be prepaid. That's the way I'm feeling. But not everyone's in the same situation. I, I think that that would be a bad look, like not a good faith effort on the club. You know, um, I think that there's already kind of been grumblings of the fact that the club has been collecting money, that some people's opinions have now said that it's not this whole shoulder-to-shoulder attitude, that it's all about money, which I don't really see it that way. But I'm just saying there are people that are making that argument. And I think that if the club then tries to collect their increased value for next season, that that would then just be another knock in that argument that it is a money is a bigger influence than maybe projected. I'd be curious to see if other clubs are doing the same thing. We'll look into that for next show and see if other clubs are still charging their fans as well, too. But I suppose we'll have to wait until we hear any kind of release from the club as to what's going on in that regard. But I'd say speaking of releases from the club for all four of us on this show who work for businesses that are still involved in essential services, the club did put out a really nice video thanking all of us who are, you know, still clocking in, clocking out every day at various different levels of responsibility throughout the Southland. And I thought that was a really touching gesture from the club. Yeah, it was great. I I think that it is one of those things where uh, a lot of the essential workers that uh, normally might get overlooked for their day in and day out uh, work duties. It's it's our opportunity to recognize those individuals and say thank you for a lot of work that just normally doesn't get noticed or gets taken for granted. Yeah, I've never seen you know fast food workers and and you know people like myself that work in you know alcohol retail and all that stuff getting praise from the community for what we do. Uh, it's a sharp turnaround from what you normally hear. Uh, it just <laughs> 
part of part of this whole world just being turned upside down on its head. Um, so what you guys been doing keeping busy this week? Anything fun, new that's that's kept your mind occupied? Jason, how about you? We know you got a couple little ones at home, but how else are you keeping your mind occupied? Well, I'm with my daughters. We just watched the Disney Descendants, gotten to learn every character, every song. In fact, my older daughter has asked me not to shave my head until Halloween, which I've been shaving my head since I graduated high school. She wants me to be Hades, so I'm dyeing my hair blue, so I'm going to do that for her. So I, didn't, I haven't shaved my head in a week, and that's a lot of hair for me. I usually bick it with a razor. And then uh, when I'm not with my daughters, I'm either playing some PlayStation 4 or binge-watching something on Netflix or Hulu. It's ironic that your children would be into the descendants. That's come full circle, given that you are the punk aficionado. Yes. Uh, I also work at a junior high. I work at Sprouts, and I work at Altamoma Junior High School. Uh, I miss the kids a lot right now at the junior high. Uh, but uh, whenever I wear my descendants hooded sweater, I always have kids come up and go, you like that Disney Channel show? I'm like, I have to explain to them it's a punk band. And some kids ask me because I have Milo in the back of my sweater. Um if you're a Descendants fan, you know who Milo is. Milo is the Descendants. But uh, they'll ask me, yeah, who's that on the back of your sweater? It's Milo. Uh, my daughters do know who Milo is, by the way, so I'm pretty proud of that. They don't care for my music right now, but they, they do will. know who Milo is. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to reach those angsty years before the punk rock's really going to appeal to them, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know if they ever will. Uh, there's a great documentary called The Other F Word. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It's uh, about punk dads, punk guys and punk bands from like uh, Pennywise, No Effects, uh, Adolescents, and guys from that band and their dads. And the lead singer, Pennywise, uh, he, just talk, he showed his daughters. And he, uh, it's the other F Word, I mean, their fathers. That, that's what the other F Word is. And uh, the lead singer, Pennywise, he's driving to one of his shows. And he's ups- at first, he's upset because his daughters don't listen to punk music. But he said, you're supposed to, he goes, but in a way, it's them being punk rock to him because they're listening to pop music. So that's what you're supposed to be. You're, you're supposed to not listen to the music your parents listen to. So your music's supposed to piss off your parents. And I did that. So my parents didn't like my music. <laughs> but in like 20 years, you'll realize your parents' music was good, too, and that every era has good music, right? <laughs> yeah. So what else do we have going on in the community, boys, that you wanted to touch on before we dive into our interview? Well, I would say well, in the D9 world, we got to do something pretty fun yesterday. So it was Julio's 40th birthday. And for everything that he does for the club, uh, we put together a little drive-by so we could go leave some presents on his doorstep and try and maintain a socially distant way of going over there and wishing him a happy 40th birthday. So I know on behalf of all of us here at Shoulder to Shoulder, happy birthday, Julio. Good man. One of the best of people. Certainly has been with LAFC from the very beginning driving supporter culture to what we have today. So that was kind of cool. We all got to line up and go honk in front of his house. And somebody brought um, a little drone and took some drone video out there that we saw making rounds around on the, that Coolio posted it on his IG, but so that was kind of fun, but anything else going on in the world you guys wanted to touch on before we dive into the interview? Yeah. The um, inside LAFC podcast added a new, I guess, segment to, uh, uh, to their show, so it was shooting the shot, and this is with Jordan Harvey and Larry Berg, and their first guest was um, Will Ferrell, and that was that was an actually really cool episode. That's not a good and, get at all, landing Will Ferrell. I mean, they could have started with somebody good at least. Jeez. <laughs> um, and it looks like you know it's going to be a, a regular type of show, not something that you know you get once or or. Uh, one once a month or anything like that it looks like it, it it's it, the way it sounded is that it's going to be something that comes out regularly which is cool it's almost as if larry has some pull or something Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> or jordan well, are, for that matter <laughs> they're both very charismatic guys and so the show obviously you know really rings yeah. with that same quality that the two of them bring so that's that's good content that's out there and we're happy that the club is finding ways to stay engaged and you know putting stuff out to us and Obviously, you know, I mean, uh, everything that the club has put out has been been top notch this whole time that yeah. we've been away from games. Going back to birthdays, there's been a few LAO birthdays. Um, uh, too many to shout out, but April is a popular month. I know we had also Mr. Jason, whose birthday just recently passed. So shout out to you as well. Thank you. Happy we could go today. Hey. I'm not going to say how old. <laughs> it's up there now. <laughs> 
All right, well, with that, why don't we go ahead and jump into the gentleman who has been so gracious as to download an app just to be with us tonight. <laughs> uh, so, Jason, uh, if you're not familiar, famous blogger within the LAFC community and certainly representative in the social media world for all the punk rockers out there with the handle at LAFC Punk, which is um, your tag on most social media forums. Yeah, um, it's and a at the LAFC Punk. So the excuse me yeah. at the LAFC yeah, Punk uh, on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, and then I stay away from it's just Facebook is <laughs> I don't blame too me. drama. Yeah. And then if people want to read the blog, it's at the LAFC Punk dot Did I get that correct? Yes. Yeah. All right. Perfect. I usually put it up on my all my social media and stuff. I'm working on a new one right now, so writing a new one right now. Yeah, I believe there's um, a link to the blog from your Instagram account as well, yes. too. So anyone who wants to go in there and read any of the material that you put out for the LAFC community can find you there. Certainly most people are familiar from your posts or uh, regular calls in to some of the call-in shows. Shouts to the boys at Heart of LAFC. We actually got to jump on with Joseph from Heart of LAFC. We recorded an episode of the Superpod round two hosted by the guys from fcfc shouts to them and uh uh, tigers and we got to do a little round pod with 11 of us from across the pod fam that should be coming out uh in the next couple weeks here we're not exactly sure when they'll get the edits done and get that turned around but it was nice for the whole pod fam to get back together with us and uh the guys from season pass and dolly black and gold and defenders of the bank it's almost podcast and heart of lafc and Obviously, the guys there from FCFC, so that was kind of fun. But thank you so much for joining us. So why don't we dive into how you came to fall in love with the beautiful game? As a kid growing up uh, here in the Los Angeles area, my dad had season tickets to both the LA Kings and LA Dodgers. So my dad was a Kings fan back in 67, started having season tickets in 73. So as a kid, I went to a lot of Kings games. And at the Forum back then in the 80s, there was a soccer team that played there called the LA Lasers. So I went to a few laser games as a kid and even played a little bit of ASO. I also even went to the, I think it was the MLS All-Star game, not ML, I mean MISL All-Star game. I think it was 85 or 86, somewhere around there. Go to laser games, but they didn't get too much coverage. So I kind of like, you know, once the team folded, didn't really, I was still baseball and hockey watching the Dodgers and Kings all the time. And then uh, I think like a lot of people, the 94 World Cup is what really just caused me to fall in love with the beautiful game uh, when the World Cup was out here. Um, I remember watching the, the USA game against Colombia, uh, even though it, it's unfortunate what happened to, to the def- – I just watched a documentary on that, the uh, Colombian defender. Um, to Escobar's? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, but I remember that World Cup. I remember the final – and just falling in love with the game. And then in 96, when MLS started, I did, I mean, I get flack from some LAC fans because I supported the Galaxy. Back then, they were the Pasadena Galaxy. That's what I I call them now. But um, sorry following them a little, but MLS just wasn't the same. And then uh, the 98 World Cup came. And uh, being half Mexican, uh, I remember there was a game of qualifying Mexico versus, I think it was Belgium. And Mexico was down. I know they were losing. And then I remember Luis Hernandez. He was my first favorite soccer player. He scored the tying goal in, in extra time. And my dad and I were just going crazy. So I, that 98 World Cup caused me even more like it. So I remember asking my dad, hey, where's my grandpa was born in Mexico. So uh, I asked my dad, hey, where's grandpa from? And he said, oh, Guadalajara. So I just looked in the newspaper. Oh, look, there's a team from Guadalajara. I had no idea Chivas were the most popular team in Mexico. I almost started following Club America because I like Luis Hernandez so much, and he played for Club yeah. America, but yeah. he went from team to team. Then I started in 2000, really started following MLS even more because it was local. So I'd go to Galaxy Games back when they're at the Rose Bowl, and uh, I had season tickets in the 2002 season for the Galaxy, their last year at the Rose Bowl. And back then, the Galaxy, the front office was really, I mean, they traded season ticket holders like royalty. I remember uh, the, our my season ticket rep. He called right when I got season tickets. He called me up and said, "Hey, uh, 
who's your favorite player? Who do you like? And I told him, at the time it was Luis Hernandez. Yes. So he said, uh, hey, I, you told me your dad has season tickets to the Kings. Are you going to be at the Kings game tonight? I'm like, yeah. He goes, what section? He came and he brought me autographed poster from Luis Hernandez. He brought me a scarf. He brought me, then that, like I said, that first that year I had season tickets and it was pretty cool. Then they moved to Carson the following year. And I remember I got a notice in the mail uh, saying, because my season tickets to the Rose Bowl were, I was at midfield, 10 rows up, $15 for each ticket. I mean, just can't beat that. So when I moved to Carson, I get an invoice saying, your new season tickets were going to be $150 each. $300 for one game for two tickets. So I was like, I can't afford that. So I got like a five zeros. Game, yeah, I got a five game <laughs> mini package behind the goal for like, it was like 25 bucks each. But when they moved to Carson, it just, I don't know what happened. The front office just seemed, they lost, they moved out of touch with the fans. And uh, and a couple of years later, Chivas USA came in and I became a Chivas USA fan. People talk about how bad Cincinnati was, but if anyone who was around back then, Chivas USA was a thousand times worse than Cincinnati. So, but like I said, Chivas USA fan had season. It was funny because my dad still stuck with the Galaxy when they had Beckham. My dad got Galaxy season tickets, and I had Chivas USA tickets. So. We were in Carson like every single week. That must have been a fun rivalry. Is Pop still a Galaxy fan? I'm proud to say that last year I did convert him. He, yes, yeah, he, uh, he is now a LAFC supporter. I even got him to go out to one of the uh, Empire Boys watch parties. Took him to a game last year, but uh, last year I had to move in for my parents because of some stuff going on in my life, and uh, started watching the LAFC games. And my dad was still kind of a Carson fan back you now when I first moved in. And then I just started telling him just how crappy, you know, Carson is and how they how their fans are and everything and telling him what it's like being watching LAFC. And he fell in love with the team. Uh, I think like most of us, he loved Blessing. Who doesn't like Blessing? He's just so fun to watch. But he's now an LAFC supporter, so he's proud well, to say what, I, I converted him. What aspects did he like that are different apart from everything's better? I think I just explained to him what it's like going to an LAC match, uh, being that I'd already been to a few. Uh, I went to a couple during their first season and then joined a supporter group and trying to explain to him, like, look, this is a, this is different. This is the, I had to take him for him to experience it. And when he went, he was just blown away by the 3252. He couldn't, I usually am with the empire boys, 3252, but he's got bad legs. So we had to have seats. They actually gave us good seats. If you ever go with someone who's handicapped, they hook you up. So <laughs> I'll say that. I might know a thing or two about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty cool. They put us in the seats where there was like free food and free drinks. And we were well, like, man. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I sat there um, for the one game with Mandy uh, when we got, uh, you know, they sort of filmed that little feature on us ahead of time. And that was the only time I really sat over there. Um, where they have that whole, I mean, huge spread of food that's down there and candy and all that stuff that you can drink. It's a, quite a spread they put on for people who are shelling out for those seats over there. But I definitely love my North End tickets. Oh, yeah. It's nothing like being in the North End. I mean, my first North End game was the famous uh, weather game. The oh, rain, the rain, rain game. game. Oh, what a great first, game. My first time being in the 3252. I remember that was, I wasn't an official member of the Empire Boys yet. I was just kind of. They hadn't had membership. Membership was already been done. But I remember uh, I was there, and before the game started, uh, uh, one of the girls, Empire girls, uh, Pilar, she asked me, she goes, is this your first game? And I said, no. Uh, early in the year, I sat, I pointed up there, and uh, she goes, no, this is your first game. And at the time, I didn't know what she was talking about. Then I found out that rain delay game was crazy. Because side note on that rain delay game, I had a double shift at work the next day. I had to be at work Oof. at five in the morning and I took the train. Um, I didn't get home till like two thirty in the morning, but I was on. So I worked a double shift, went home, take care of my daughters and went back to work, but it was worth it. That, that rain delay game was, and I, I thought about going home during that delay, but I was like, 
I'm ch- I'm a cheapskate, so I was like, dude, I'm not wasting my money, man. I I paid for this game. I'm gonna be here, and uh, one of the guys on the our flag waivers, he let me wave our Empire Boy flag, and it was like such a proud moment. He's like, here, here's a flag, and I gotta wave the flag. Yeah. yeah, that was a great game. Glad you stuck around for that monumentous comeback there at the end. Oh yeah, it was. That game was amazing. I, I, I've been at some pretty good games in the 3252, too. So. I think from was, a supporter's uh, standpoint, I mean, like, as far as the energy in the North End, that was one of the best games. I'm sorry, you were saying, Chris? No, I was just, I wanted to talk to Jason about, you know, um, the uh, the amount of supporters that are from the in, Inland Empire. You know, I feel like that is a, between uh, the Empire Boys and the Inland Element and uh, Relentless has... Uh, people out in the Inland Empire rights. I, I just there's there are there's a large faction of the 3252 and supporters and and just didn't know if you knew it. Like is is LAFC? Is it just you know LAFC fans or or there's a big amount of LAFC fans out there or is is soccer as popular out in in uh, the Inland Empire as it is in other parts of uh, the county? Or there's tons of LAFC fans out here. Uh, we got. I think last like, I think we have over 250 people in the Empire Boys and uh, Inland Element. They got a pretty good amount. And the, I mean, the way I found out about the Empire Boys was uh, when I went to my first game. My first game I ever went to was uh, against the Chicago Fire. They tied 0 0. No, against Portland. It was against Portland. They tied 0 0. It was the day of the World Cup, the last, the final of the World Cup. My old friend, uh, my old friend texted me and said, Hey, uh, I can't make the game today. Do you want the tickets? And, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll take the tickets. So, uh, but I remember the whole game. I was just watching the thirty-two fifty-two. I was just like, next game, I got to be out there. So I got home. I tweeted like the thirty-two fifty-two account, and I said, hey, are there any supporter groups in the Inland Empire? Because I'm living in you know, Rancho Cucamonga, and uh, they said, yeah, Empire Boys. So as soon as he said that, I sent a message, and with that same day, our the president of our club, of our group emailed me back and said, yeah, if you're come out to our watch parties, you're more than welcome to join us. And my first watch party was the Horta game. So that was, <laughs> not... <laughs> but, uh, after that, I was just kind of hooked, started going to the watch parties. We had one epic watch party with, uh, the black army and tigers at, uh, uh, it's anyone who's a black army or any of the support groups talk about this watch party as the most, it was insane. It was at the tinted kilt. It was insane, loud, and just we poor waitresses on, looked on their faces watching us. It was just, I mean, uh, <laughs> Jimmy was leading the chants, and the uh, oh gosh, his wife's name just slipped my mind. Uh, she was Jesse? drumming there. Yeah, Casey. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, and then I became even more hooked after that. Just, yeah, I've heard Jimmy's pretty enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, just just a little. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, usually his capo stand is we're right in front. He's right in front of us where we're at. Our location from the Empire Boys, and yeah, he's he always has his coffee before the game, and it gives him even more energy. His whole family, man, they are they are all ninety plusers. That's for sure. There's a lot of Wante in that blood. Oh yeah. So, how did you first find out about LAFC? You were a Chivas USA fan when Chivas USA dissolved. What was your first exposure to there was going to be a new club and it's going to be LAFC? After Chivas USA folded, I mean they. The last couple of years was embarrassing. I mean, anyone who was a fan back then, the ownership, I still supported them, but I wasn't, I didn't have season tickets anymore, especially living where I lived out here in IE. It was a long drive to see a bad team. Um, but just a little after that was when they announced there's a new club. And I remember they had like a, a sign up thing, like a, you go on email and get a thing. And I remember following them. I remember following them on Twitter. There was like the black and red logo. And I remember, like, when you first, if you followed them back then, they would follow you back. I don't think they followed me anymore, but I remember hearing about that and being, because I was like, I can't go back to, I can't cheer for the Galaxy, man, because after being a Chivas USA fan and just experiencing us, uh, I got some terrible stories about the Riot Squad, what happened to me a couple times at games. I just could not go back and cheer for that team. That I could not support that club. So when I heard about LAFC, I was like on board right away. So I started getting the email updates about the team. And then, of course, the first game I remember watching that and 
Well, you've tickled you've tickled my interest. I'm curious to hear about some of these these run-ins with the Quiet Squad. Um, oh man, not this... not to be salacious, but that does okay. sound intriguing. Okay, this like I said like earlier, my my dad had Galaxy season tickets, and I had my Chivas USA tickets. And during the 2006 and 2007 season, Chivas USA were good, and we had. Uh, Sasha Kleshin, uh, Brad Guzan, Jonathan Borenstein, uh, Antti Razov, who's now one of our assistant coaches. He was scoring goals like crazy. Um, we had a really good team. And the, and that was when Beckham first came here. But the team, Carson wasn't really a team yet. They were, and she was just, they were actually better than, but side story. Okay. I went into the, the restroom and uh, if the riot squad, you guys might get some flack on this, but I remember going to the restroom, saying the urinal, and uh, one of the members of the quiet squad uh, pissed on my leg at the urinal. And I remember some of their chants to me were, I don't know, I would say borderline racist, like when they would play Chivas. Uh, some of the things they would do was just kind of like going too far, and it just really caused me to always hate that that club oh that's disgusting i'm sorry you had to go through that that's horrible <laughs> yeah it's, that's terrible dude that's so like as soon as you did that please tell me you put hands on this man right like <laughs> well being uh, that, we, we don't condone that now being that i'm only five three and uh, this guy looked like he was over six he was like big guy there's i i would have got my butt kicked <laughs> but uh i just hated that support group i mean i that they're i mean you look at them now i mean they want nothing to do with the other support groups, they've been suspended by the league a couple times. Uh, they're an embarrassment to me to the league. And shoot, I'll probably get some, if they hear this, I'll probably get some stuff to my social account. But I'm actually friends with uh, one of the Riot Squad members. She's really nice lady. Her, her son's one of the members. In fact, uh, her and I used to go to the games together when they play each other. Uh, she's an older lady. They, she's the actually they call her the Riot Squad grandma. Um, but her and I used to go to the games together, and she'd have her Galaxy jersey on. I had my Chivas USA jersey on. Her and her son are really nice, but there are probably some cool people in that group. But there are a few bad apples, and they're the ones that kind of get the news that that we hear from. Wow. So, describe some of your first LAFC experiences after joining empire boys and how did that change um so you mentioned you saw a couple watch parties how did that become you know getting involved in supporter culture to the point where you started blogging about it um there was something different about lafc like i said i'm dodger fan kings fan had king season tickets had dodger season tickets my own there was just something different about going to an lafc game it felt more unity uh i mean we all been there so I remember going to my first game, like I said, it just, what I would read about what went on in Europe and South America was, that's what it felt like. I remember walking up to the stadium and I could already hear drums. And, uh, I always wanted to write. I've, since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a sports writer. So, uh, I figured, you know, I might as well write a blog. I'm planning once all this epic, once this quarantine thing is all done. I want to go back to school for journalism. When I was in, elementary school junior high high school whatever i would write would usually get put in the school newspaper people always like my writing so i just figured you know, i might as well blog about it and write about it i originally wanted to do a podcast but i don't have my own computer i have two jobs i've got two daughters so having to do a podcast i mean i know it's a lot of work so i figured you know what i'll blog i'll start writing about it and uh but my first again once I got involved with LAFC, going to the games, going to tailgates, it's nothing like it. And like I said, being a Kings fan for years, a Dodger fan for years, there was just more unity at an LAFC game than anything in LA. Well, you've managed with your blog to marry two worlds, not only your love and passion for football and LAFC, uh, but your passion for your namesake as well to punk rock. So why don't you take us back to how you got introduced to punk rock music and how did that become a thing in your life? Oh, man, again, 1994. 1994 was a big year. Soccer and punk rock. Uh, that's why uh, I ordered a customized LAC shirt this past year, which I was planning to wear in my first game, the LAFC punk, and the number is 94. And the reason why I chose 94 is the year I got into soccer, and it's the year I got into punk rock. And I remember um, 
those of us who are old enough to remember like warehouse records, record stores. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going into the record store and they used to be able to listen to demos. They had demos and you listen to. So I remember going into warehouse records. I think it was, it was in Rancho Cucamonga. And, uh, I remember seeing this CD called punk Orama. It was the first punk Orama. It was like a green cover. It had bands like uh, bad religion, the offspring back before back. Yeah. There's your bad religion shirt Had Pennywise had no effects. And I remember the first song that came on was Don't Call Me White by uh, No Effects. And that album was just awesome. And I just remember falling in love with it. And I mean, before that, I was kind of into alternative and metal music. But when I listened to punk rock, the lyrics just really resonated with me. It was just kind of when you're a pissed off teenager, you listen to the lyrics. You're like, these guys know I'm not, I'm not alone on how I feel. And, uh, it just, then the music, I just fell in love with. I remember going to my first shows and it just felt like the scene was just kind of like an LAC game. You know, there's just a unity and it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what sex you are. It doesn't matter what color your hair is, how short your hair is, how long your hair. We're all one. We're at the punk show. Yeah, paint funny, the picture. Said, I was going to say, paint the picture for those that are so young that don't know what warehouse records are tower records and those demos like i remember you can go and they have these headphones that are like kind of racked up and you can pull them off of the rack and put them on and kind of hit the different buttons of the records that you want to listen to oh yeah yeah that's exactly how it was and every now and then you could be at a record store and uh the smaller ones and uh there's still some good record stores out there there's a we're out here in rancho there's a one called dr strange records the punk rock record store um but the owner would let you, hey, you want to listen to this? And he'd put it on the speakers at the store. And because back then kids are having easy day. They have, you know, Apple music and Spotify and YouTube. When you wanted to find new music, you had to go, I would spend hours at a record store trying to find music. Cause the way I would look for new bands, like I remember band like MXPX and I remember seeing the shirts they were wearing. I'm like, huh, he's wearing a rancid shirt. I should listen to Rancid. And then I would read, like, you know, they would thank bands. Like, okay, they're thanking this band. Okay, I better listen to this. No, I'll check this band out. And it wasn't like now where you're on your Spotify and says, oh, if you like this band, check this out. Back then, you really had to go spend hours at a record store to find music. Or you would just buy it without even listening to it. You'd just be like, okay, this lead singer says this band's cool. I'm going to buy this record, too. Not only was warehouse music like where you would go to listen to music, but they also sold concert tickets as well, too. And I remember, you know, sitting in sleeping bags out in front of warehouse music, waiting for tickets to go on sale at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. Or back when they used to do record releases, and you would line up out front and wait there in the morning for the record release to come out. But the very first album I, with my own money, ever bought was at uh, a warehouse store as well, too. That's that's funny. I, I bought two albums. One of them was Mozart, and the other was Dookie punk album Green Day. So, <laughs> you know, Green Day Dookie album is one of the first punk albums I got into, and uh, a lot of old, a lot of punk rockers don't want to admit that Green Day was one of their first bands they got into because now Green Day is kind of trendy and stuff. But that Dookie album, I think, just still made bangs. punk music. Yeah, it's still a great album, and it made punk music huge it blew up punk suddenly like everybody knew who green day was everybody knew who like no effects the offspring uh those bands just blew up because of green day remember basket yeah. case you that song was everywhere you couldn't get away from it for for three months it was such an earworm i actually saw green day at Lollapalooza in the 93 94 they were the opening band at Lollapalooza. they were the band that played at noon at where no one was at that's crazy I, uh, my, my older sister, you know, she's definitely the one I have to credit for introducing me to a lot of music that was not in my, not my circle of friends. I was always listening. She's six years older than me. Right. And so she introduced me to Green Day and Offspring and Pennywise. And I remember one of the concerts that I went to with her, uh, one of the few ones that I've ever gone to with her was at the Irvine Amphitheater. And we saw it was Pepper was the opening band. It was Pepper, Offspring, and Pennywise. 
And this was, um, like, Pennywise, I think this was around 2006, and Pennywise had just released an album, and that was a great concert, man. Like, it was such... It was such a good, a good, good vibe. Good people. It was, I love, I love that scene. Yeah, I still go. I still go to shows. Um, I was supposed to go see Pennywise in a couple of weeks. They were supposed to play out uh, April twenty fifth. They were supposed to play a, a show out here. And uh, but yeah, I still go to shows. Uh, I saw the Adolescents recently. Saw MXPX back in November. So how would you describe punk rock in Los Angeles now? as opposed to punk rock in the Los Angeles in the 90s with, you know, all the skate videos and all the stuff that was around the scene. How's the scene evolved here in L.A.? Yeah, the scene now is it's not too much of a scene. It's uh, a few years ago I saw, went to, sorry, one of my favorite shows. I saw Descendants with Fear, Adolescence, uh, Strung Out, and this band called uh, Spanish Love Songs. It's actually a really good band. First time I saw them. But... Uh, it was funny because there was a three-day festival called Music Inc. Fest. That's uh, This year was the first year they didn't do it, but it's been going on for like 10, 15 years. But the first night was this this three-night festival. And uh, I remember talking to one of the guys, and we were like, man, all the old punk arkers are here tomorrow. Because like the following night, like I think uh, – I forgot who was playing. It was like some newer poppy punk band and was going to play. But to me, the scene – like when you go to shows now, it's mostly just this old guys, which uh, – old punk rockers who are now like we got bellies and gray beards and <laughs> we have babysitters at home. In fact, I remember a couple of years ago, I saw the first time I saw MXPX, I was like a 16, 17 years old. And, uh, I saw them again. And the lead singer was all like, yeah, uh, most of you guys were kids and you saw us the first time. Now you guys probably have babysitters at home. And I did have a babysitter taking care of my younger daughter <laughs> my daughter's at home he goes i know some of you guys have to get home that's how it is now that's crazy that's crazy so how what was the sort of the decision to combine these two worlds so to take your love for punk rock music and your passion about lafc merge those two things together into a personality and now a brand and a blog and all the things you're doing with it going forward that's a good question there's so much in common with the two uh Especially if, like, uh, when I first got into soccer, I started, you know, I started watching the English Premier League, and I remember finding out all these other punk bands, like uh, bands like The Business. Uh, there's bands, uh, Booze and Glory, Sham Sixty Nine, uh, Bouncing Souls. Uh, one of my favorites is called The Vanilla Muffins. Uh, they have an album called uh, Our Drug Is Football. Great song, great album. That um, was on your most recent blog, was it not? Yes, it's a oh, that that album is one of my favorite albums. And uh, uh, the business, they have a song that I know Jonathan probably wouldn't like. It's called uh, uh, "England Five, Germany One." You know, <laughs> yeah. But I started finding out that in the, especially in England, uh, there's a huge subculture of football and punk rock. A lot of these bands follow football clubs. I think Booze and Glory. I think they're big West Ham fans. Sham 69, they actually have a song called Millwall Boys. You know, Millwall's a big hooligan. You know, they're soccer hooligans. You know, football hooligans are really into punk rock. And, you know, the wearing the Adidas Sambas. That's, that's why I, I've been wearing those for over 20 years now. And it's because of punk rock and football kind of combined together. And like I said, when you go to punk rock shows, it's like a unity just like you go to an LAFC game. Uh, in fact, I think Jordan Harvey was, no, it wasn't Jordan Harvey. The other day, uh, oh, Rich had, uh, uh, what's his face? That actor, uh, Hanks. Uh, oh, Colin Hanks. Colin, Colin, Colin Hanks. And he actually talked about on saying how being an LAFC fan is like being part of the punk scene. I think he said something. When you see someone else wearing an LAFC hat, you're like, hey, you can talk and uh, about LAFC. It's the same thing of being in the punk scene. When when I'm out in public and I see someone else wearing a punk shirt and I'm wearing a punk shirt, we're friends right away. Yeah, it's an it instant can be icebreaker. Any, yeah, it's an icebreaker. Like I said, a lot of it has to do with in England. In England, punk and and football really are combine well together it's not as big out here i've noticed i mean i do meet i do know a few other guys i know 
one of the guys, a couple of guys from Inland Element, they're big punk guys. Uh, one of the guys from uh, uh, the crew, uh, Tony, he's a big uh, uh, punk rocker. We all, when we see each other, we kind of have that same same stuff in common. I think in the '90s and 2000s, it was more of a, and maybe even now, it was probably skateboarding because that's kind of how I got introduced into the punk scene because I was skateboarding in middle school and high school, and that's what everyone was kind of listening to. And, you know, it, it also goes to me, I felt like it was a soundtrack of my sessions. Like if it gave you that adrenaline rush and this, you know, well, back then we had Walkmans, huge eyes, um, or huge pockets and try not to fall because, you know, if you shook too much, then it would skip. But um, uh, that, that at least to me, I always coupled my punk memories to skateboarding. And I think it might be one of the things that maybe it's not soccer or football in the States. It was more of that skateboarding scene or that counterculture scene bmxing or whatever it was yeah i remember for sure. a lot of punk bands getting their launch from the skate videos that used to come out and you know sometimes you would be intermixed with all these big you know headlining bands would be a lot of these up-and-coming acts and so you know when a new skate video would come out from you know one of the closing clothing brands or one of the you know gear brands or something like that these videos would always have the new bands in it. And that was one of the things that as eager as people were to watch the video and see the new tricks and the new footage and all that, people were just as eager to kind of hear the new music that was coming out with each of those videos as well, too. One of the ways punk rock used to get around in the pre-internet era. The oi punk in England, that, that's kind of the, the oi punk is what's really, um, pretty much all those bands are huge soccer guys. So, I mean... Especially, like, I mean, you look at some of their album covers, like bands like The Business and The Vanilla Muffins, they got soccer balls on the cover, or they have, like, their favorite team, the club they support is on their album cover. They have songs and lots of uh, four-letter words, four-letter words about their other, their rivals. They, <laughs> they say, if you, if you, especially, like the, like, the Business, I would highly recommend listening to bands like The Business and The Vanilla Muffins if you want to find that so where where are you looking to have this this you know grow and develop into i've talked to a there's a guy in the empire boys uh willie and uh tony from the crew we've we've actually joked around uh about like having lafc punk songs uh there's a song uh by the band called the casualties it's called 1312 and uh we were saying we should try to do a thirty-two fifty-two one. Um, like I said, yeah, you know, I would love to try to have more of a LAOC punk blog. Uh, like I said, I want to have a podcast, but like I said, one with two jobs and two daughters, it's. I want it to be bigger, but like I said, you know, my family's first, and there's a I've went through a lot of personal stuff last year in my life. Um, which was why I wasn't able to blog as much, but we're talking about supporter culture. The Empire Boys was like my, my second family last year. So everything I was going through, they were like my brothers and sisters, the Empire Girls and Empire Boys. So guys, Empire Girls, because they, the girls in our group are, they're very proud to be Empire Girls. Absolutely. It's great the support that we can find within each of our respective supporters groups. And, you know, I mean, whether it's, dropping presents off at someone's house during a quarantine or supporting someone through difficult times. I mean, that's one of the beautiful byproducts of the subculture that has created around the 3252 and that each little pocket of the Southland has been able to foster its own sub community. And those people have been able to support one another. I mean, who'd have thought that, you know, two and a half seasons into this team, we would be talking about how supportive members of the community are to one another. I think that's something that we've heard over and over on this show with so many different guests and we've all experienced personally, but it still kind of blows me away how in such a short amount of time we were able to find that kind of connectivity as a community it still kind of blows me away that, that, that is what it is. So, uh, your most recent blog that was posted on your site, um, again, that's, uh, you can go to at the LAFC punk, um, on Instagram and go right there. And, uh, from the bio, you can find a link to at lafcpunk.blogspot.com but your most recent post on there was kind of actually about the pod fam itself so why don't you talk a little bit about your motivation and kind of what uh your lafc podcast digest is like and how that led you to write about it you know 
I think us as LASC supporters are so lucky to have so many good podcasts. I mean, you guys do a great job. Defenders of the Bank do a great job. Heart of LASC. There's a counterculture. I mean, counterculture, these guys should be working for a team. I mean, those oh, guys break down the games like yeah, counterpress. Yeah. Those guys break down every single play. It amazes me. There's FC, FC, FC is like I mentioned the, on my blog. It's not family friendly, but they're, I love listening to them. It's, it's like just hanging out. To me, it's like what they talk about is like what we talk about. It's like our conversations at the Christmas tree lane. I mean, those guys, I love listening to that one, but I just want people to know that there are so many good LUC podcasts. I mean, I don't think there's any club in the league to me that has as much good podcasts as we do. I mean, we have inside. There's so many to talk about inside LAFC. Max and Vince do a great job. And Defenders of the Bank. That was one that that was probably the only one that I've been listening to since the first episode. I've been able to become buddies with Philly and the Scarfs. I mean, those two guys. We all know them. They're like I said in the blog. They are like the Mark and Brian or Kevin and Bean of the LAFC family. <laughs> Weenie uh, in the butt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got Joseph. To me, is like the guru of soccer. I mean, you could mention he probably could name guys who play in League Two, name their stats. I mean, and you know, they're all great guys too. Everyone who does these podcasts, we see each other at the Christmas tree lane and have a beer together and just talk. And but I just want everyone who kind of follows me and everyone to know that there's so many good podcasts to listen to out there. And we're so lucky. I mean, that's why I was like, shoot, I don't even need to do one because there's so many good ones out there. So when you go to put the blog together, what frequency um, do you plan on releasing uh, new content coming throughout the course of what is hopefully a season to come? Or what's some of the things you see in the future for your writing with LAFC? The one I'm working on right now is about being an MLS fan. I think being an MLS fan is just I know I've heard him talk about it on uh, the Cooligans. We're a misfits. We are really our misfits. Not I mean it's another punk band, but we get made fun of by the regular football community who follow like Premier League and Mexico you know, Mexican League. Um, then the American sports fans look at us like you like soccer. Why do you like that sport? My plan was originally was to do like a, a preview for each game, a post after each game. My goal is to be able to write more um, once I get my own laptop. <laughs> Most of my blogs I do write on my phone. Um, I don't really have a laptop. Uh, my own, yeah, I don't have a laptop at all. Um, I usually have to borrow some ones or go to the library or something. Um, I don't really have the, the money to do it. Um, but again, like I said, I work two jobs. I usually work 50 to 60 hours a week. And then any free time I do have, I want to be with my daughters. My older daughter, she hates soccer. My little five-year-old, she loves it. She does the chants. I posted some videos of her doing it. I took her to her first game, the last game of the season last year. Yeah, she, she had a great time. <laughs> but being a father and being someone who works a lot, it's hard to get more content out there. wish I could. I really wish I could. But time, I don't have that much extra time on my hand. Well, maybe that's a blessing of the moment that you could take advantage of some of this time and Hopefully we get some more content from you, brother, because I know we love consuming it, what you're putting out. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, it's crazy. I'll be at games and people like recognize me. People know who I am. I took a coworker last year to a game and uh, he's like, hey, let's get some beer before the game. I go, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it. I got you. I go, I'll get us free beer. So <laughs> we walk over to Christmas tree lane. I was even there for five minutes and someone's like, hey, it's the punk. You want some beer? I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, is this your friend? I'm like, yeah. And he looked at me like, I think someone else bought me a beer in the stadium, and uh, it's crazy. It like the first time I got recognized, I was like, "Whoa, man, this is weird." I was in the team store, and some kid just went up to me, "Hey, you're the LAFC punk." I'm like, "Yeah, like." So it's 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 my my coworker goes, "Then you're like a celebrity here." I'm like, "I'm just doing this for the love of the team." I mean, I love LAFC. I have, I mean, one big reason why I love LAFC it's it's LA. That's why I love the Kings, the Dodgers. I always felt like you got to support your local team. People always, I mean, I'm always, I'm not going to say MLS is the best league in the world. We know it's not because, you know, some of my soccer friends will be like, how can you watch MLS? It's 
not that good at soccer. I'm like, well, you can't get on a train or just drive down to Manchester and be able to watch your favorite team. Here, I can get on the train or get in my car and go watch LASC. I mean, I can just, I mean, it's a little bit longer drive out here in the IE, but some of us carpool, you know, we we have a little bit longer drive. But it's How a, long does it I, take I, you to get to a game? It depends on traffic. Sometimes I'll pick up the gold line from Azusa. I'll drive to Azusa and pick up the gold line. It's always different. One time I had no traffic. It took me like 45 minutes. It can take up to two hours. I was able to go to the playoff game last year against Carson. I didn't know until like the day before. It was awesome. I, I Because uh, I know if you're part of a supporter group, each supporter group only gets a certain amount of tickets. Usually it's a first-come, first-serve basis. But for the big games like Carson or a playoff game, our, uh, the leaders in our group vote for who gets a ticket in the group. So the night, the day before, the night before, I'm about to go to bed. I get a message from one of the leaders of the of our Empire Boys. He said, "Hey, uh, one of the tickets we want you to have." And I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" I had to take my daughter to dance class the next day. The game was like at seven. The dance class was nowhere till five thirty. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then, so, uh, but I had the ticket, so I remember driving as fast as I could. I got there around maybe half hour before it only took me like an hour and a half which from Rancho Cucamonga to LA on a what, I think the game was on a Thursday night or a Wednesday night I think it was it was Thursday um, yeah and uh but I lost my voice but it was a I, I was blown away to be like they they in our group they pick out like okay on participation you're if you're loud at watch parties you're loud at the games so I remember getting that message from one of the leaders going, hey, we want you to be at the game. And that game was, I mean, I think all of I think you guys were all there. That game was, to me, the, when Rossi scored that goal, I'll never forget how loud the 32-52 went. I mean, we just, the place blew up. And I think one of my favorite moments was when the whole stadium was doing the call of arms chant. I didn't even know the whole stadium was doing it till like, all of a sudden I look around. And I got goosebumps. It was just seeing the whole stadium do the chant with us was just amazing. Yeah, people definitely have some time for those of you outside the 3252. Now is your chance to uh, learn and memorize all those chants. And when we finally do get a chance to come back to the game, it would be pretty cool to see 20,000 plus uh, all doing the chants together. That would be pretty amazing. Well, we do appreciate you coming out tonight. Before we send you home, we do have one last question for you we'd like to ask. You may have seen this coming uh, if you yeah. listen to the show, but my friend Jason, what does shoulder-to-shoulder mean to you? Man, I've had a long time to think about this. I knew this was coming. I think to me, shoulder-to-shoulder is that we're just family. I think what's cool is like when I take the train to the game, as soon as you see another LAC fan, we're all sitting together. I mean, it's crazy. You take you know, you could start in Azusa and you hit like Monrovia, LAC fancy each other. And we're all just, doesn't matter if you're in the 3252, if you're in the upper deck, if you're in the lower deck, we're all just family. And you get to the game, especially, you know, if you go to the watch, I mean, at the, the uh, tailgate, it's, we're all family. I mean, everyone's feeding each other. Like I'll walk around and I'll get food from like three different support groups you know, drinks from different supporter groups. And we're all taking care of each other. It's just that we are family. It doesn't matter what group you're part of. It doesn't matter what part of L.A. you're from. L.A. is so diverse, but it's like the second you see an LAFC fan on the train or as soon as you get to the stadium, we're all just that that one. It's not like, you know, Kings games. It was like, to me, you had the people sit upstairs. You got the people sit downstairs. Dodger game, the same. I mean, it's the same thing. You got the, I always call it the rich fans and the people sitting in the cheap seats like us. And, but there's something different about LAFC game. I mean, I've been at games where Will Ferrell just comes up and just starts shaking her hands and, you know, like, and they're taking pictures of us. You know, that's what's crazy. But again, I think shoulder sores, LAFC family for family. Beautiful, man. Well, thank you guys we, so much. This was an honor and privilege to be on your guys' show. Loved your guys' show. Hey, man. Oh, thanks. We're so really happy to have you. All right. Thank privilege. you. Happy belated birthday to you. Oh, we thank are, you. 
<laughs> well, we're sending out congratulations, congratulations to Carlos Vela and family, who look like they're going to be soon welcoming another member into their family. So clearly, he was uh, yeah, he was busy this off season. <laughs> Didn't stop scoring. Yeah. <laughs> was it from just outside the box, and was it a curler? <laughs> That's really what we want to know. Um, yeah, yeah, he was dribbling from the right side into the left. <laughs> <laughs> That's a play-by-play I don't think even Max would give us. Um. Well, if anybody's interested in following uh, the show, uh, give us a follow on our social media handle at LACS2S. You can also send, shoot us emails. Uh, all of our email addresses are posted on our website, www.lafcs2s.com. And be sure to follow LAFC, the LAFC Punk on uh, Twitter, and Instagram, Instagram that's and right. Twitter, yeah. Excellent. So, thank all you. right, guys. Hey, well, thank you very much, Jason, for coming on. And with that, take us home, Sticks.